Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with you. Good Saturday morning to you. Alongside Bill Alexander, we're live from Bill's office here at WG Alexander & Associates. Bill, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm good. I hope you are. Bill, I'm doing wonderful, and you just fin- wrapped up uh, your webinars this week. I trust that we, we had another great turnout. Yep, another one. It was. Uh, I always have a lot of fun with that. I'm I'm anxious to get back to face to face seminars. However, uh, people are getting used to the technology. I think uh, more f- folks are doing Zoom meetings and FaceTime, and and uh, so it's. As uh, as those of us who are not uh, technology geeks, uh, we're getting accustomed <laughs> to uh, uh, to doing things a little bit differently, um, and and maybe that's a positive thing. Um, I mean, uh, this uh, coronavirus has has really thrown everyone uh, for a loop. But it is forcing us to learn new technologies and the like, and and the webinars have been very successful. We've had a lot of folks more, and I guess the fun thing for me is um, uh, I do enjoy seeing people and their reactions and and, um, can gauge uh, comments and questions and answers and things like that, and more more folks who are tuning in via Zoom to to the webinars are are you know they're they're uh, using their video so that I can see them and they can see me as well you know the first webinar I did several months ago it got it was really sort of funny because um, nobody in the whole crowd, not a single person, turned on their video. So I couldn't see them. I, I had to accuse them of sitting there in the pajamas or less. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, but the fact is, is, and I guess it does, you know, the technology does have the advantage that you can attend a meeting and you can be in your pajamas. Uh, you don't have to put on your makeup. You don't have to do, you know, you can just enjoy the meeting and, and uh, from whatever uh, place uh, that, that you want to be. But anyway, people are um, uh, contributing, and it's, it's been fun. So I've, I've enjoyed those and would encourage those who are listening who missed uh, our webinar on Wednesday to uh, look at signing up for for next month's uh, you, you know I I get so many questions about trust you know why should you use a trust what is a trust how do they work um, uh, are they really different do they make a difference do they save us money you know all of all of the above, and uh, and a lot more, actually. Uh, and so, um, you know, the webinar that we do on uh, asset protection is actually about trusts and asset protection uh, be- because trusts give folks a tool that most estate planning techniques or other estate planning techniques do not give folks. And um, North Carolina is, in a lot of respects, a middle-of-the-road state. Uh, And so um, as a result, um, 
I would say there are a number of folks who use trust, but not everybody does. There are other states, and the ones that come to mind uh, the, the quickest might be Florida, New Jersey, New York, California. Folks uh, who are, have anything at all um, in those states use a trust um, as their estate planning tool. And the reason is real simple. In those states, it's extraordinarily expensive to go through court probate and estate administration. And a trust does, in fact, allow you to avoid that. In North Carolina, court administration is really not that expensive. Um, it does have a cost. Um, the maximum uh, administrative cost in North Carolina is $6,000, so, uh, which is not true in many other states. So, it, I mean, in other words, North Carolina, the, it doesn't sound reasonable, but <laughs> it actually is not so bad. Um, and there are times when having someone looking over a shoulder and auditing what is done is not a bad thing. But for a lot of families, they don't need that, and a trust can offer them something that's faster, uh, less expensive, less burdensome uh, in order to accomplish their, their wishes. Uh, but frankly, that's not the reason that I recommend trust. I mean, if that's the only reason that somebody wants to do a trust so that they don't have to go through court administration and it's a little faster, um, that's not enough for me. I mean, there has to be other legitimate reasons for, for using a trust. Um, and we can go into that, but it's, it, I, I, I love trust. I love what I do, and I don't mind doing wills. <laughs> in fact, I do wills all the time. But one of the things we do in our office is we assess whether it's really advantageous for a family to use a will uh, or a trust as their basic estate planning tool. And then there are also those who actually use a trust inside their will. We call that a testamentary trust because um, that can be advantageous, particularly for seniors. So uh, there are a lot of different reasons for, for trust. So I, I know uh, what I want to do is to uh, basically uh, try to uh, teach folks what a trust is and how it can be used and how it can be used for uh, asset protection for themselves. Now, obviously, I don't have as much time in a show like this uh, on a Saturday morning uh, uh, to, to do it justice, but we certainly want to do it and then encourage folks who want more information to attend the seminar. Absolutely. And the seminars happen the second Wednesday of every month. You can sign up for July's seminars or webinars. You can go online to WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button there. You can find plenty of information and register for free to attend. Of course, you can sign up for the trust and asset protection seminar. There's also the long-term care seminar as well. Find more information online at WGALaw.com or call 919 256 
7000. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're talking all about trusts and asset protection, Bill, and you were sort of outlining how you make a determination between uh, if trusts are a right fit for someone, but I, I think we probably need to start out with what a trust is and how it works. Well, that's true, and and so the the first question is you know is is why would somebody want to do a trust? And it comes down to one word that is very important to most of my clients, and, and that word is control. Um, the fact is is that. A will-based plan uh, for anyone is limited in terms of what it can do. It, it a, a will-based plan is a death plan. It's it is important to have a will because if you don't have a will, then the state has a will for you, and so your intentions could simply be uh, ignored, and the state's going to say how your property is distributed. Well. A, a will, a last will and testament, gives you the next step up that ladder, which is it allows you to control with certain limitations who gets what upon your death. And in North Carolina, the only lim- real limitation is the fact that you you can't ignore your spouse. <laughs> Not that anyone should. But if you don't have a pre-marriage agreement, which, of course, most people do not have, uh, then the, the state says that you have to take care of your spouse when you die uh, through your will. And if you don't leave something to your spouse uh, in your will, then the state allows your spouse to disagree with your will and take a proportionate share. But other than your spouse, you don't have to leave anything to anybody. Um, and, and so, what does that mean? It means you you don't you're not required to leave anything to your children, uh, or your grandchildren, or anybody else for that matter. You can leave your property any way you wish. So your spouse is the only limitation. Okay, now. But the fact is, is that the will, your last one testament, is simply a piece of paper. It's not official until you die. And then it's upon your death, you take the, uh, the original document down to the clerk of spirit court and have it probated. Now, probated basically means that the clerk accepts that piece of paper as your last will and testament. And then there's a time period where uh, folks have the ability to disagree with it. It's called a dissent. Uh, And they can file a dissent and fight over whether or not you were lucid when you signed the document or unduly influenced or whether it was signed properly and and the like. Um, Now, 
The fact is, though, that a will allows you to leave your property to the folks you want it to go to at your death. But let's go back to that word, control. So it doesn't, I mean, it does control who gets your property. But what it doesn't do that a trust can do uh, and this is where it's so important that a trust in terms of difference is that a trust can not only say who gets your property, but when they get it, how they get it, what they get. Um, it basically control everything. And more importantly, a, a trust can control your property, the, in other words, you can control who gets it, when they get it, how they get it, through generations. So it's not just, okay, at my death it goes to my spouse or it goes to my kids, and then who controls it then? They do. You don't. You're dead. You're gone. You're not involved in what happens to your property anymore. Well, for those of us who who are well-to-do and and have a legacy, and they want to see their property used a certain way, or to, in essence, have strings attached to it, or, in a big sense, uh, create asset protection for their loved ones. They can do that with a trust. And um, so, uh, I mean, that's really the key with a trust. But, all right, now... What is a trust? You know, it, and this is this gets a lot of folks because most people think of a trust uh, in the same way that you think of a corporation or an LLC. It, they think of it as an entity that has to be done a certain way. In other words, everybody has to follow the rules and do this and do that. And a trust is not an entity. A, a trust, if you just get it right down to the fundamentals, is simply a contract. That's what it is, a contract. Now, it's a contract with a lot of law behind it, and it's not a two-party contract. It's a three-party contract. In other words, there are three um, faces, if you will, And sometimes the three faces belong to one person, (laughs) okay? So in essence, you have a person who creates the contract. They create the the trust. Um, And that term is called many different things. Um, For instance, uh, some lawyers, in fact, we call it almost always a grantor. That's the creator, uh, but other terms such as settlor, trustor, trust maker are all terms for the same thing, the person who creates a trust. And in this agreement, you appoint someone, and it's your choice who you appoint, to oversee or manage the contract, and that's called the trustee. And then you create the contract for the benefit of someone you love. And so uh, oftentimes a trust is created by a person, and who do they like the most to manage their property? 
themselves. So they appoint themselves as trustee. They create a trust, appoint themselves as trustee, and for most folks, who do they love the most? Themselves. Okay, so they create a trust, they agreement, they create a contract, they appoint themselves to manage the property, and guess what? They name themselves as the primary beneficiary of the trust. Okay, now that obviously would be considered a revocable trust in almost every instance in North Carolina. Um, but the fact is that it's a three-party agreement, and so that's, in essence, what a trust is, whether it's revocable or irrevocable. Now, by three parties, you can have more than one trustee. You can have co-trustees. You can have a corporate fiduciary. Uh, but you can, in most trusts, you can be your own trustee as well. You can appoint family members as trustees later on if, if you don't want them uh, at the beginning. Uh, so you don't have to have a corporate fu- uh, trustee. You don't have to have a lawyer or a CPA involved as a trustee. Um, and in almost all of the trusts that we do, it's actually a, a reliable family member uh uh, who is named as a successor trustee? Because in most trusts that are created, the grantor names themselves as the trustee. And it's also very common for a married couple to uh, create a joint trust where they do it together and they name themselves as co trustees. So that's a very common thing. We do that more often than not uh, today. Um, and then oftentimes uh, the children and grandchildren are. Uh, beneficiaries of the trust agreement as well. So, uh, but the nice thing about a trust agreement is that it can be very specific about who manages the property. It can be very specific about the terms of when the property is available, how it can be spent, uh, how it can be used, um, and who it goes to at the next generation. And, of course, it can be also have lots of opportunities for asset protection for a spouse's lifetime or a child's lifetime or a grandchild's lifetime. So there are a lot of things that you can do with a trust that you really can't do with a will. So obviously, if you can provide for yourself then it becomes a lifetime plan for you. And you can do disability planning, which I think is really important. I rarely see it in most trusts that I don't draft myself, but it's an opportunity that you can have because a trust is something that you use during your lifetime for your own planning. And then you can determine who gets what, what limitations there will be, because For a lot of folks, one of the things that's important to them is to preserve assets not just for their spouse, but for their children. And you know what? The the majority of people, and the majority of people who have a simple will, have no control over what happens to their property when they die. Why? They leave it to their spouse. Well, that's fine for a lot of folks, but guess what? Sometimes the spouse moves on. And your children don't get a thing. And all of us have seen that happen. 
you know, we talk about the snake ladies and the golf pros. And if you're a golf pro, I apologize for the reference. But, <laughs> but, but the uh, and the tennis pros. Those are that's the other group. But, but what I'm getting at is the fact that uh, oftentimes of uh, uh, the surviving spouse will remarry, and then there'll be stepchildren involved. Sometimes that's a his, mine, and ours situation. And so the bottom line is, is that uh, for most people who are married, their number one concern is not necessarily their children, but it's their spouse. How do we take care of each other? And it's it's not just a common goal. It's an important goal for, for folks to consider. Well, who gets left out if the focus goes from the from the, the children to a new spouse. Well, that's, that's where the problem is. So obviously, y- you can protect your children's inheritance with a trust where you're not protecting that inheritance when you leave property to uh, just everything to my spouse, which is the most common will that any of us ever see. That's what we call a sweetheart will. I leave everything to my spouse and then equally to my children. But you have to understand that when you're dead and gone, you don't have a control (laughs) over who gets what, when, or how. It basically then becomes up to your surviving spouse as to what happens to that property. Oftentimes, things do happen the way you would want them to happen, and the children get their inheritance and everything is fine. Um, but there are lots and lots of exceptions to that rule. So anyway, that's where a trust can actually come into play. And it's not necessarily about asset protection. It's about making sure that the folks you love end up with the property that you've acquired during your lifetime. So that's a biggie. Now, obviously, there are lots of other issues to talk about, and I know we're going to have to take a break, but we'll keep on this track when we come back. We will. We will absolutely do that. We'll continue to talk about trusts and the control that they give you in your planning. Stick around, and don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to check out Bill's seminar all about trusts and asset protection. We do these seminars the second Wednesday of every month, so check out what's going on in July by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on the seminars button. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him at WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We're talking all about trusts and asset protection. Bill, you sort of outlined the control that trusts can provide us, but you know, you've been at this game for a long time, Bill, and I encourage everyone who needs assistance with a trust to go to WGALaw.com or to give you a call. Uh, what's the biggest mistake that you see people make with trust? Well, I mean, frankly, I get folks who come into the office all the time, and they had a trust created years ago, or sometimes they've moved here from another state. Very common that it's always a wise idea when you move from one state to another to have your legal documents reviewed. More often than not, they should, in fact, be updated Um 
uh, not just because the laws change everywhere, but be, uh, but because the laws from one state are different from the laws of another state. And oftentimes what you do in one state may or may not work in another state. And that's very common, particularly uh, with last wills and testaments. But Folks do come in all the time, and they say, well, here's our trust. Would you review it to see if we need to make any changes to it? And typically, the first question I will ask when they ask me to review a trust agreement is, okay, folks, tell me what you've put into this trust. What property has been transferred to you as trustee under this trust agreement? And you know what? The majority of folks look at at me like, what do you mean? You, you know, it's sort of like the deer in the headlights. It's like, we've never heard of this. What, what I have a magic book here, and this magic book is supposed to take care of everything. Nobody told me we were supposed <laughs> to do something else after we signed this piece of paper. And I said, well, right now it's a worthless piece of paper because there's no property that has been transferred into your trust. And in fact, when I do a trust agreement for a family, I will not, I'll tell them right off, it says, if you're not committed to transferring your property to yourself as trustee or to whomever you've named as trustee, if you're not committed to transferring your property to your trust, don't create a trust. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, a trust agreement is only as valuable as the property that you put into the trust. And so for those folks, and and see, this is an issue with a lot of attorneys. I, I fault attorneys for this because they'll do a nice contract, a nice agreement. Um, and sometimes they're very expensive documents with tax planning and asset protection planning and, and income tax planning and all sorts of planning inside that trust document. But it's worthless because they haven't put any property into the trust. I've seen lots of trusts fail because the folks did not realize they were supposed to put their property in it or how to put their property in it. So that's by far the biggest mistake people make. And it's like, well, my will says, to if I haven't put it in, to put my property in the trust when I die. And I said, okay, that means that you've made the first mistake because your will with a trust should be a cleanup document. It should only be for that property that somehow didn't get put into your trust during your lifetime. Um, But if everything is in your name and goes, then guess what? Everything has to go through probate and court administration before it can go into your trust. So have you saved any money? No. Have you saved any time? No. In fact, you've not only delayed things by by going through the courthouse, but you've also ended up spending more money because now you have a double administration. You have an administration through the court system, and then you have a second administration through your trust. And that's not the reason people create trust. They create trust to be more efficient and save them money uh, and to have better planning. So those are the, the three biggies. And you lose all that if you haven't transferred your property into the trust. So um, 
in essence, you want to make sure all your real estate is moved into your trust and your bank accounts and your investment accounts and uh, pretty much any other property that you might have, you need to transfer it over to your trust. So that's that's the big issue uh, with most folks. Uh, now, you can, you can create a trust for limited things, like you might have a trust that only deals with a farm or, or a one piece of property or a family cabin or, or something along those lines. But most people use their trusts for everything, uh, not uh, just that. Uh, and there's only really one type of property that you cannot transfer to your trust uh, during your lifetime, and that's retirement accounts. You know, doesn't matter what kind, whether it's a 401k, IRA, Roth, uh, you pick it, it doesn't matter, 457. Retirement plans can't be transferred because that would be a taxable event. But at your death, your retirement accounts go where? Jason, who gets it? you designated as the beneficiary. That's right. So in essence, it's a beneficiary designation. It doesn't go through court administration anyway. So now, can you use your trust as a beneficiary? Yes. If, and this is the big if, if your trust is designed to accept retirement accounts. If it's not designed for retirement accounts, if it doesn't have retirement provisions in it, then you do not want to use a trust as a beneficiary because of the tax rules involved. If you put uh, retirement accounts into the wrong kind of trust, you get a five-year payout requirement by the Internal Revenue Service. And that's the worst of all payout requirements in terms of retirement accounts. So, but again, if like if you use one of our trusts, which do include retirement account provisions, then you can in fact use your trust uh, as your beneficiary. And so you might. What's the next question, Jason? It's like, well, why would you want to use a trust for retirement accounts? Well, two reasons primarily. One doesn't really apply in North Carolina, and that is a lot of folks in many states use use trusts for asset protection because the Supreme Court of the United States has said that inherited retirement accounts, and, and that basically means the kids and grandkids, not the spouse, and there are a couple other exceptions, basically um, then – uh, that those assets are not protected assets. Now, a retirement account that I've earned for myself is a protected asset. A creditor can't take it away. And if I die and it goes to my spouse, they can't take it from a spouse. But when it goes to the kids, in most states, creditors can go after those assets. Um, not so in North Carolina, but that's because of state law. But, okay, so what is... Um, uh, the, the other reason, well, let's say that you want to make sure that your retirement account is used by your spouse, but eventually goes to your children. Well, you can use your trust to ensure that your spouse does not change your beneficiary uh, relating to your IRA uh, when he or she dies. In other words, that's where a trust can come into play because your trust can limit how much your spouse can take out of the retirement account, uh, and it can um, 
uh, limit who it goes to upon your spouse's death. Whereas if you leave it directly to your spouse, then who controls it? Your spouse rolls it over, and then it becomes your spouse's uh, retirement account. They can change the beneficiary at that point to whomever they wish, and they can take as much out of that retirement account uh, as they wish. They're not limited to any kind of minimum required distributions. They need to take their minimums, but whether they can take as much out of it as they wish, there's no, um, there, there's not any limitation on how much can be taken. So anyway. Yeah. And having that, again, that control is so key and being able to navigate those waters is hard because it, it can be as complex as you want it to be. That's why you need a professional. That's why you need someone to help you guide you through that process. And that's why you should get a hold of Bill. Call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. Or go online to wgalaw.com. We'll continue our conversation all about trust and asset protection right after this. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong and Bill Alexander here with you on this Saturday morning. Bill, we're, we're talking all about trusts and asset protection. We've gone over what trusts are, uh, mistakes you want to avoid with trusts, and uh, now we want to focus a little bit more on the asset protection side. Well, you know, there are a lot of folks who think that if I do a trust that I automatically get asset protection, and that is not anywhere close to the truth, okay? So what's the most common trust, the one that most people use, and there's a good reason why they use it, that I love them, I do, that it's the most common trust I do, but it's called a revocable trust. You hear that? Revocable. What does that mean? That means you can take it back. You can create a trust and then change it any way you want to change it. You have total control over this trust agreement during your lifetime. So as long as you're alive and well, you can change the document. You can put property into your trust. You can take it out of the trust. You can amend your trust at any time. You could, in fact, revoke your trust if you wish. But You can basically invest your property any way you want to invest it, and you can spend your money or property any way you want to spend it. So in essence, there are no limitations. And guess what? One of the nicest things about a trust agreement is the fact that the Internal Revenue Service ignores it. So what does that mean? That means that if you do a revocable trust – In other words, you've created a document, you've named yourself as trustee, and you've named yourself and hopefully your spouse and children as as beneficiaries of your trust. But you're a primary beneficiary. Well, guess what? The IRS says if that's what you've done, then don't get a new tax ID number. We don't want you to. Just keep filing your taxes the same way you've always filed them. Use your Social Security number for your trust agreement. You know, one of the things that a lot of uh, bankers, you know, they, you go into the bank and say, well, I've got this trust agreement, and, uh, 
And the first thing they say is, well, what's the tax ID number? You got to have a new tax ID number. And for a revocable trust, that is not true. They need to teach them better in school. Um, the IRS does not want you to have a new tax ID number. And that's really ad- advantageous. People who create a revocable trust uh, do, if they do it right, they move their property into their name as trustee. Uh, and um, they keep on going. Well, when it comes to asset protection, if you are alive and well and you have a revocable trust, your creditors can still reach that property. In other words, it's not asset protected. It does give your creditors an additional step to jump over, but no big deal. In other words, if it's available to you, it's available to your creditors. Because guess what? This it's there. You have changed the title from yourself to yourself as trustee, and that's what makes a trust work to avoid the court administration, the probate and court administration. But it doesn't protect what's in that trust from your creditors. Not unless the property has protection. Um, unrelated to the trust agreement. I mean, for instance, property in North Carolina, for instance, if you own property together with your spouse and you put that property into your trust with your spouse, in other words, you have a joint trust, or actually you don't even have to have a joint trust. You can put half in one and half the other. But the the state allows you to keep your the asset protection qualities of property that's owned by husband and wife. That's called tenancy by the entirety in North Carolina, and it's helpful. But you get the same protection in a trust agreement as you would if you just continued to ha- hold the property in your individual names as husband and wife. And so you can also own other properties uh, that have asset protection uh, in North Carolina. And you have to understand that there are a lot of state rules that – Um, make a difference in terms of whether something has asset protection qualities or not. So how do you use a trust to give yourself asset protection? Well, the great majority of my clients use a revocable trust, and, of course, they have liability insurance, and they have uh, LLCs, limited liability companies and corporations, uh, if it's appropriate, but the uh, and so they have some asset protection because of that, but not because of their trust. But when they die and they leave an irrevocable trust for the benefit of their spouse, that can have asset protection. If they leave a lifetime trust for their children, which most of my clients actually do. You can create a trust that has asset protection. Now, it's not automatic. Here's the difference. To have asset protection, you need an irrevocable trust. Now, your revocable trust, when you die, obviously is going to become irrevocable because you can't change it when you die. Okay? So there you go. If your trustee has discretion as to whether to distribute property. 
and they're two basically a trust looks at two kinds of property and it, and I'm not talking about real estate versus money or investments I'm really talking about principal versus income and you know so principal is the property that you put in the trust the income is what that property produces whether it's dividends interest capital gains whatever it is So to the degree that the trustee has complete and full discretion as to whether to distribute principal or not, then that gives it asset protection because that basically means that the beneficiary is not, by the document, entitled to a distribution. And if they're not entitled to a distribution, then a creditor can't reach it, typically. And, of course, the same thing is true for income. If the beneficiary is entitled to the income, then a creditor can reach the income. So some trusts are done where creditors can reach the income but not the principal. Other trusts are created where they can't reach income or principal. And so, and that's up to you as to how much asset protection you want to give your children or your spouse, for that matter. So, um, and uh, and so uh, sometimes families will do a trust, and they're not worried about uh, what their spouse will do with it. They want to keep it simple for their spouse, but they want to protect their children. Why do parents want to protect their children? What are they worried about? What do you think most folks are worried about when it comes to their children? Oh, I would say maybe control, restraint with Oh, inheritance? Baloney. No. It oh, has to on. do with they're worried about their marriage. Mm, that makes sense. You know, they hope, we all hope that our kids have wonderful spouses, but we all know that the divorce rate is relatively high. Well, what happens when people divorce? They lose a lot of property. <laughs> they okay? do. So guess what? If, you're, if you've inherited property from your parents and it hasn't been protected, then the likelihood, even though inheritances are not considered marital property, most married couples who inherit property actually commingle that inheritance, and it becomes marital property. So, And then if there's a divorce a few years later, then there will be an equitable distribution of that property. And so if you've left a good bit of property to your children— Half of it may be gone because of a divorce. Well, parents can protect their children from that happening. The other thing that it does is typically what happens with many of our clients is they want to ensure that the inheritance goes from their child to their grandchildren, not to the spouse, to the grandchildren. Well, guess what happens if you don't have a trust agreement? Your child inheritance, it's a wonderful marriage until your child dies. Well, if they have the most common will out there, who gets the property when your child dies? The spouse. And so does the grandchildren automatically get it when the spouse dies? Absolutely not. The spouse would be in control. So if you're 
if you, uh, you know, obviously, if your child dies first, then in most marriages, the spouse will control the inheritance. So obviously, with a trust, you can actually control it, give your children asset protection, and then you can give your grandchildren the asset protection by making sure that the grandchildren actually get the property. So yes, you're controlling it through three generations. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, from our conversation, we've heard just how useful trusts trust can be, but uh, it's hard to navigate those waters to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And if you're trying to set up asset protection as well, you need some help. Get a hold of Bill. Schedule an appointment to speak with him. Call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000 or go online to WGA Law. Dot com wgalaw.com there you can register for july's seminar we do this the second wednesday of every month and there you can register for bill's trust and asset protection seminar get more on the topics that we've discussed today a quick break and back with more this is asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. We do have to get out of here. I want to remind you, register for July's webinars. Go to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com, and click on the Seminars button. You can also call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000 to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or to register for the seminars or to find out more about trust and asset protection and how that works. We uh, will catch you again next Saturday morning at 11. This has been Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. <music>